Mike Check 717. This is Eric T. Jones, a.k.a. Brother Jones, and I just need five minutes of your time. Today, I'm going to define and discuss critical race theory, highlighting two concepts from Derek A. Bell Jr., the godfather of critical race theory. So, what is critical race theory? It is a framework used by scholars and activists to understand how race and power are connected. There's a lot of misleading characterizations out there, but the primer critical race theory introduction states that critical race theory questions the very foundation of the liberal order, including equality theory, legal reasoning, enlightenment rationalism, and neutral principles of constitutional law. In other words, critical race theory questions whether the United States embodies its alleged values and virtues of liberty and justice for all. It's important to note individuals from a variety of races and ethnicities have used critical race theory based on their lived experiences. But it appears the current conversation focuses on the black-white racial binary. In addition, critical race theory helps us understand how race overlaps with other social categories like class, gender, sexuality, or ability status. This synchronized analysis of multiple identities is what Kimberly Crenshaw calls intersectionality because these categories, among others, are not mutually exclusive. Unfortunately, the corporate media has failed to unpack the nuances of critical race theory, so let's start from the beginning. In 1995, Kimberly Crenshaw, Neil Gautana, Gary Peller, and Kendall Thomas edited an anthology titled Critical Race Theory, the key writings that formed the movement. In part one of the anthology, they list critical race theory's intellectual precursors, the legal scholars, Derek A. Bell Jr., Alan David Freeman, and Richard Delgado, who were trying to figure out why the momentous civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s was followed by social, political, and economic backlash during the 1970s and 80s. Critical race theory has since expanded into a variety of academic disciplines, but it originated in legal studies. While Bell, Freeman, and Delgado each made significant contributions to critical race theory, Crenshaw notes Bell was at the center of it. Two of Bell's key ideas warrant our attention. Number one, racial sacrifice covenants, and number two, interest convergence covenants. Racial sacrifice covenants are when disputes between upper class and working class whites are resolved by sacrificing blacks' livelihood. Take an example from slavery. A very small percentage of whites in the antebellum South held most of the wealth and yet convinced working class whites that slavery was also in their best interests. They fell for the okey-doke and accepted the terms of whiteness so long as they were a level above blacks. They were cool with being dirt poor, but at least they weren't black. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? The interest convergence covenants are when racial progress is only considered when it serves whites' ulterior motives. Bell lists three examples that support his claim. Number one, the abolition of slavery in the northern states. Number two, the Emancipation Proclamation. And number three, the Civil War Amendments. We see this most clearly in the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s. Following World War II and the rise of decolonization, the United States and Soviet Union competed for global supremacy. The U.S. had to do whatever it took to legitimize its democracy or succumb to communism. 
If you study why President Harry S. Truman instituted the Committee of Civil Rights, if you study why President Dwight D. Eisenhower intervened on behalf of the Little Rock Nine, if you study why John F. Kennedy presented civil rights legislation that did not get passed until after he was assassinated, if you study why Lyndon B. Johnson pushed for the Voting Rights Act of 1965 following Selma's Bloody Sunday, if you study why the Fair Housing Act of 1968 became law once a bullet took MLK out, then you'll start to notice a trend. The United States is driven by political expediency, not moral obligation. Here's a contemporary example. Why did it take George Floyd's brutal death for people to acknowledge structural racism? It had nothing to do with moral obligation. In summary, critical race theory is born out of the real American history. Crenshaw states that critical race theory underscores the history of white supremacy that rejects the belief that what's in the past is in the past and that laws and systems that grow from the past are detached from it. To all the regressives who are anti-critical race theory, we know your underlying issue, history. James Baldwin once wrote, history, as nearly no one seems to know, is not merely something to be read, and it does not refer merely or even principally to the past. On the contrary, the great force of history comes from the fact that we carry it within us, are unconsciously controlled by it in many ways, and history is literally present in everything we do. I know regressives are allergic to facts, but I got a remedy. Critical race theory. Well, my five minutes are up. Keep your head on the swivel until next time.